Hello, and welcome to Wednesday in Westeros. I am Todd A., and with me is that guy. And also with us is Emily Emily Kelly. Yay! Yay! (laughs) So we are here in the second week of season seven of Game of Thrones, um, joined by uh, our poor man's uh, Joanna Robinson. We're so happy you're here, Emily. Um, I just like, I swear to God, it was like my senpai noticed me moment when she commented back of that like, oh no, the rich man's Emily Kelly or whatever. She was like, I agree. And I'm like, no, you don't. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm always happy about that. <laughs> I know. I was like, so I was like, oh my God, hey girl, hey. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, like like I said, Joanna Robinson is the rich man's Emily Kelly. Um, <laughs> so let's just uh, we're jumping into uh, uh, oh my god, I almost called it season two. We're in episode two, <laughs> which is called Stormborn. Um, so for the second episode, it is named after a thing related to Targaryens. Um, but we're not going to start on Dragonstone. <laughs> we're going to jump uh, right out in the middle of Blackwater Bay and talk about. You're on Greyjoy, bringing hell to uh, his niece and nephew. Um, so uh, we just thought we'd get this out of the way, right, Taylor? It was a, a, a big yeah. one to talk about. It was a big one. And it's like, you know, it was obviously the most sort of dramatic moment of the episode. And we figured we'd just get it out over with right out of the bat. A lot of people are curious what we think about it. Um, I guess before we can even jump in, though, we got to sort of give some some points to Tyrion and the council and just Tyrion's plan that sort of set all this in motion. Um, and if if you recall, there was that scene in the council chamber at Dragonstone where, and, and, and it's interesting because in my, in my book, this is like the third or fourth time Tyrion has given poor advice and oh, has, really? and we've seen the result of that. Yeah. And, and if you go back to previous episodes of this show, um, I made a stink about when they were in Marine a lot of the stuff Tyrion was telling Daenerys to do failed miserably and nobody seemed to mind. And he still kept his job. And here's one more case where he says, Hey, you know, the, you know, the ideal thing to do is just to attack King's Landing, but we're not going to do that. We're going to send the Dornish and the um, High Garden folks uh, to King's Landing. Meanwhile, the Unsullied and the Dragon, I don't know if you mentioned the dragons, but the Unsullied are going to go and the Dothraki are going to go take um, Casterly Rock, which if you think about that scene, he got a lot of shade sort of thrown on him. Like um, there was a lot of looks kind of his way. Like, why is this your plan? Like, what is, what are we trying to achieve? So it, it, you know, it's kind of created a, a, a bad taste in my mouth. And then we saw that play out at the end when the Dornish fleet and then um, uh, Yara's fleet, Yara and Theon's portion of that. Um, and all the soldiers like were, yeah, Euron just rolls right in. And yeah, I, let me let me start by asking you both this question: Was there a mole? Was there a traitor aboard that brought this all to fruition? Uh, no. Let, I, I, the, we'll take this opportunity to correct a horrible map reading I did at the end of our last episode. Uh, I quickly Googled something to find the location of Dragonstone. I got this awful information. Dragonstone is right at the tip of the Bay of Blackwater. It's an island, um, and so King's Landing is right, sort of in the you know, in the other end of that opposite end. So if they were sailing straight across the Bay of Blackwater, they absolutely would have run into Euron. But it does beg the question that we asked last week, which is how did Euron and this, in, and this whole fleet 
like sneak around them to get to King's Landing to meet Cersei in the first place, mm. you know? So mm-hmm. anyway, Emily, what what are your thoughts? Is there a traitor? Was there a, a mole? What happened? Here? I, I mean, I didn't even like think about that. I just thought he was like, I mean, it's like a large group of them, you know, like it's, it's a lot of ships. You can't really like, even under the cover of darkness, you can't really like hide the fact that there's, you know, 500 or whatever it was ships sailing down to Dorne or sailing to King's Landing. Like someone would have spotted them eventually. And yeah, that probably Iran also has apparently a thousand ships because that's why he showed up to King's Landing of like, hey, here's my thousand ships. They're yours. So maybe one of these a thousand ships was patrolling the Blackwater and saw them. And, you know, yeah. that's how they kind of figured everything out. You're right. And I misstated it again. They weren't, they weren't sailing like uh, Theon and Yara weren't sailing through Blackwater. They were sailing around to Dorne. Yeah. So Euron would have had to exit out of the Blackwater Bay. Yeah. It's a little unbelievable that this gigantic fleet was not seen. Like, <laughs> why weren't uh, the Ironborn on Daenerys' side sort of patrolling the bay and stuff just to see what Cersei's movements were. Yeah, there's I don't know. A lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of strained credibility with this. Like, I'm glad something of dramatic note did happen, but it's just like, you start putting the pieces together and you think either Yara's, you know, the, the shipment and, and, and fleet that Yara took is just incompetent, um, or Euron's got some kind of crazy ghost, you know, ghost ship or some kind of like, you know, cloaking <laughs> device. Yeah. Uh, you know, because when they showed the ship rolling in, it was like, it was just like this menacing shot of that gorgeous, you know, looking ship that we talked about last week. It was just rolling in. And I don't, I don't think it made any noise. It just sort of appeared out of nowhere. Yeah. yeah. His ship is called Silence. Like it is. is. Yeah. Okay. It, it, so that's, that's like part of his whole deal of like that he is so like sneak, like death, like sneaks up on you like death. Like that's his reputation. So in the books too, especially it's his reputation as a pirate is that you are dead before you realize he's there. Oh, interesting. I yeah. wish they'd built that mythology up a little bit more in the show because that I'd be rooting for Euron if that was the case, instead of just as like a, you know, my mind kind of a throwaway character. Like we talked about last week, I just I like it's he's kind of like a Klingon in that way, right? Like he's just sort of you know just dematerializes, <laughs> yes, and appears, pretty and much. And, you know, yeah, there he is. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, Emily, let me put this to you: Do you think Tyrion's plan was like in itself a bad plan? Not really. I mean, it, it made sense to me. Like I'm obvious, you know, Hey, in my daily life, I'm not like a military strategist or anything. But like, yeah, it did sound like a good plan. Um, but I get, I feel you, Taylor, like he's made some, some mistakes and I don't know if it's so much like the plans are bad or it's just like the typical, like best laid plans, you know, like it could have worked. It should have worked if not for their crazy pirate uncle, you know, (laughs) like, I just watching him move the little chess pieces around on the table, like just at the moment when that happened, I had this flashback and I wrote it in my notes, like. This is just too close to when Rob did the same thing. When Rob took like mm. a five minute breather from having sex with his new wife to like <laughs> move pieces around on a board and explain, I think almost the same thing that they were going to take Casterly Rock or something like that. I would have to go back to. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. I, I very much remember that. That's a great point. And uh, yeah, just to have that, uh, I, just that moment, I, I was like, uh oh. <laughs> it was like your spidey sense was tingling like oh shit yeah. like don't try to take castly rock because you'll die 
Right. Do you think, let me ask you this. Do you think that his move to take Casterly Rock was purely strategic, or do you think it was sort of a chip-on-his-shoulder kind of move? Because that was the look that Elena was flashing him. Like, oh, really? That's what you're going to do? Okay, all right, whatever. Like, did, I mean, how did you how did you read that? Um, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Like, because there's so few, like, with um, uh, the dad grade, the dad Lannister dead. Um, Tywin. Tywin. Excuse me, <laughs> I was blanking. I was like, John <laughs> I like Dad Lannister too. <laughs> Papa Lannister. With Dad-ister. Papa Lannister, Dad. You know that that Castle Rock is like one of those mythological sort of places in in the Westerosi like mythology of like it's never been taken or something like it has like it's impregnable like you they can outlast them for years like it's one of these like places where you people just don't go there to attack like if you go there to attack you've lost because they will outlast you they will outman you you know all these things so i think it's both like it's a symbolic victory for him like look i am a lannister too and i will i told you Cersei, i'm going to take everything that you love including our homeland but i think too it is a very good show of force like if they could take castle rock it would show the rest of Westeros like, oh shit, like these guys are serious. Like, mm-hmm. do you think it would be a moral out. a moral defeat over Cersei and Jaime? Do you think it would actually like sort of shock them to their core that that happened, or like how do you? I mean, what do you think their response would be when if and when that occurs? I did. I mm, thought it was. Totally I don't know. I mean, blow to her yeah. ego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And like, I remember because I'm still in my rewatch of like Tommen was asking her like isn't Castle Rock your home? Like, don't you miss it? And cause she had said sometimes like when he was a boy, like I liked it. I, you know, I loved it there. I felt free there. You know, it was before all this nonsense of Marion Robert. So I think for sure. Yeah, it would be, it's, you know, their last true stronghold of power besides the actual iron stupid sword chair, you know, but like <laughs> Castle Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about something positive in that I liked about this battle, which was the um uh the fire and just the element of fire and like all the embers and sparks sort of floating around them, especially when you're on uh took out those two sand snakes. Um I that was just a thing we have not seen in the show, even though we've seen other attacks with fire. And I, I don't know. I that just you know, I appreciated the look of it. Did, did you uh, see that one like, scene where where uh like it's literally a year on fighting some dude and he kind of sidesteps just as a fireball like a ball oh, comes yeah. right over his shoulder it was like whoa and it, it was so you know the camera didn't like focus on it just sort of happened but it was it was kind of a badass little moment i don't know if he saw it or if that was just lucky on his part but it just seeing that was really cool kind of reinforced how, what a cool effect that was yeah. there was some bad- it was really cool there was some bad camera movement for me. Like it was a, like there was a weird thing where it just kept flipping to the other characters, like point of view, like as soon as the one person would swing and I kept getting disoriented because of that. But um, I, I think that was kind of 
kind of the point. That's right, what I right. thought watching it. It was really like the the Battle of the Bastards where they tried to really give the audience this sense of what battle really feels like of, you know, John almost being suffocated by this wall of bodies and stuff of the, the all these ships are painted black. And so it looks like there's nothing below you or beneath, mm, you know, around right. you. And so then all these like lighting of the embers and then switching back and forth. Like I liked that they tried to make it seem chaotic even yeah. if it you know sacrificed kind of some of the action but you know that's that's i thought it was really neat because it made me very double nervous like about everything right. like, i can't see where he went like i can't see where anyone is like are they even still on the ship where's the other ship where are these guys coming from you know i so i, I really liked it and the fire was a good touch too i buy into all that yeah thanks <laughs> and i think <laughs> and on my rewatch when uh when i got to hard home uh, you know, I think we talked about this, how it's it's really only like 20 minutes of that episode. And this was even shorter. This was like 10 minutes or less of this episode. And mm. they, I, you know, they knew like they couldn't drag this out of 50 minutes of that would have been too disoriented. But if yeah, disorienting, but if you only have 10 minutes, it's a good effect, you know. So uh, killing the sand snakes. Um <laughs> How'd you feel about that, Emily? <laughs> Man, I just, and I'm, I'm mostly bummed because we just didn't get to see them like at all. Right. And they don't play a huge role in the books either, but it was just kind of one of those things. Like, I feel like we only saw them like for like three, maybe total episodes and not even that much. And only three of them instead of the full seven or eight or whatever it is in the books. Um, there were but- more in the books. Yeah, there's more. A lot of them are like little, like they're like younger girls, uh, like only okay. like five or something. Um, so, but yeah, these were the three oldest. There might have been one more, and I can't remember what her weapon was. That's why I associate with them, what what their weapons are. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of bummed because it was like there's they're so cool, like that they're these cool, you know, swarthy kind of warrior ladies with all these cool weapons and. I don't know. I'm kind of bummed. And I feel like they got, they, they, um, they were really like, you know, not nice deaths either. Like he no. killed them with their own weapons and like, no, nah, it's just, it's not, it's not well, good. One of them is still alive. So they're not all. Yeah, gone. that's true. But I kind of, I don't think that she, I think she probably prefer, would have preferred death to perhaps what's happening, happening to her with the iron board. Yeah. Yeah. So not also not good. (laughs) Yeah, and there was something so creepy to me about starting the scene with the two scenes they did. One of like the sand snakes in their hammocks teasing each other and talking about who they were going to kill, and then the other of Yara and Elia, like about or Alaria. I can't remember which one. Uh, You know, about to like about to ship. (laughs) Yeah. um, uh, double pun. And, um, I, you know, I don't know. I just, I didn't, I don't know. My, my heart kind of sank. Like, I, do we have to, I don't know. Do we have to mix the sex with the violence every time Game of Thrones? It just sort of felt like anything involving the the Sand Snakes and Ilaria just kind of felt like one more, like the last sort of example of their wasted space in the show and the storyline or how the show treats them in the storyline. And then, you know, obviously their, their demise. I like the fact that Alaria and then one of the, one of the daughters are still alive because for me, that's the trophy that Euron's going to bring back to Cersei. Hey, here's the woman 
uh, who uh, you know, poisoned your daughter. And hey, here's her daughter too. Guess what you get to do? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very interesting to see that. However, one, one thing that I, I have not seen a lot of people talk about um, this morning, reading spoilers and comments, don't all the sand snakes have basically poison weapons? And didn't they like strike Euron numerous times? I, right. I just can't imagine uh-huh. he's going to be long for this world himself, you know? I yeah, that's so. true. I don't know about the whip. Uh, the tip of it might have had poison. Yeah, definitely in the books they all have, like poisoned weapons. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. I didn't. I didn't really think about that. Because um, I mean, they yeah. showed him like she was like you know shipping him several times and just like, and you know <laughs> maybe they just maybe this is the one time she forgot to you know coat it in poison or what have you. But it's <laughs> it, I, he's as again he has a character. He hasn't built up. He hasn't earned his um dramatic agency you know uh just yet so i would just imagine a, a quick and swift death is probably best mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um anyway. yeah i'll we'll we'll uh we'll end that scene as it ends but first uh you know that the theon yara euron uh you know meaningful glances kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> that was that was hard to watch honestly no kidding yes yeah i mean because like here we've had Theon, you know, of all the characters, that dude's been through the most in terms of an arc. You know, so he's got, he, I mean, he, he is he is what he is when he's with the Starks. He, you know, betrays the Starks. His men betray him. He goes through with Ramsay. He's broken down. Um, you know, Yara tries to save him. He doesn't want that. You know, he eventually gets built back up. He eventually basically looks to Yara as his, you know, as his role model. You know, she's the strong sort of person in his family he has that moment and what really that scene last night reminded me of is that moment with um, Sansa and Ramsey where he just has to stand there and watch it. And it just, it kind of felt like, okay, this is the moment where he's going to redeem himself. And then he freaking jumps off the ship. And it's just like, I, my look of, of just awe was the same as Yara's just completely, totally just like, I couldn't even understand what was going on. Um, Emily, were you as shocked? Not really. I mean, I think as soon as he hesitated, like the moment he hesitated, I was like, oh no, Theon. But I just, and I I know a lot of people are really mad at him and mad about it, but his his character, I mean, right now, his base, like arc right now is still overcoming PTSD. Like it's not something, and the things that he experienced with Ramsey, with Sansa through, through whatever, three seasons or four seasons. I mean, that's not just something that goes away in a little bit. And I think there was one last season where Yara, after he's rescued and like whatever, and they're together and she's just like, dude, get over it. And he's, and he, you kind of, I was mad. I was like, you don't just get over something like that, that happened to you. So, and I, but I think it's just, you know, it's sad. And someone pointed out to me today, actually too, like that him not fighting was probably the best chance to save her life. Like that That's he, true. Yeah, yeah, like that he, he figured if he went after Euron, he would slip her throat and take Theon instead. The fact that he bailed was maybe helping her to stay alive because now, you know, she could be a bar- bargaining chip. Euron could use her as bait to try to get Theon to come back to rescue her, you know. So, I mean, I wasn't super shocked, but it's definitely disappointing. You know, you want him to be better and, 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 be braver but he's just not yet and i think that's kind of sad i think his day will come eventually but just today was not that day yeah. do you think yara will forgive him though like if she comes if he comes and rescues her what is her reaction going to be is she going to be like if 
I mean, is she going to appreciate that? Is she going to like hate the fact that he cut and ran instead of paying the iron price? Yeah. What is, what is the calculus there? Probably depends on what Euron and Cersei do to her, (laughs) like before he can rescue her. Uh, Like if she just gets to sit in a cell and he rescues her, like, Maybe she'd be like, oh, great. But, you know, why you're an asshole. But if if she's, like, being tortured and all this stuff, like, if she rescues her after all that, like, probably she'd be a bit more, like, thankful to not be tortured anymore. Yeah. We'll see. (laughs) So then that scene just, I mean, uh, as gross as it was, I did appreciate that we see from Theon's point of view it's you know there's this shot that starts like above the ship and then just kind of moves down and you see the bodies of nim mm-hmm. and obara like you know impaled yeah. and hanging there which was awful yeah but i when i saw it uh the the dress that obara is in i thought was ilaria's and so i just mm-hmm. thought that that was yara hanging there and uh. I re- and i rewound it and was like well it doesn't really look like yara but it still looks like a large i was just like why would they kill them i don't understand what's going on it took me seeing a tweet this morning to confirm that it was not them and then re-watching it to go like oh now i get yeah. it like it well, was a she- really vague kind of shot yeah well i i mean i automatically recognize what it was because the oldest sister um obaria she was nailed to the mast with her own spear right and not um uh nim. it starts with an n nim, uh, nim. she yeah. was hung with her own whip yeah so i automatically knew it was the both of them yeah. it's kind of like i mean it is gross but it's kind of like a cool sort of like poetic death of like you know with your own weapons i mean it's still i still don't like it but it was it was okay which was uh which one is colleen wing i always forget she is that's nim. nim that's yeah. nim okay yeah. yeah, Jessica Henwick. And she, I did read an interview with her last night or this morning where, um, you know, she was kind of over it. <laughs> so I really like Over Game like, of Thrones, you mean? Yeah, Wait. like she just kind of, you know, she thought like, well, the Sand Snakes are going to do all this, uh, you know, badassery. And then they didn't really do any badassery. And then they kind of disappeared for most of a season. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so she was in the middle yeah. of um, <laughs> Iron Fist when they were shooting this and they really wanted all three of them to come back and sort of wrap up their, you know, their storyline. And apparently it was, it was, you know, kind of a pain in her ass. Like she was flying (laughs) back and forth between Belfast and New York shooting both at the same time. Jesus. You know, she was just kind of like, Hey, I I got, I got another gig. I'm good. (laughs) And I don't know if she's in the new star Wars, but she was a pilot in episode seven. So I would, I would imagine maybe she pops up again. So. So, She's cool, man. Like she's not hurting for work or anything. <laughs> no, and as bad as Iron Fist was, her character gets yeah. so much more room to grow. And she like, was the best part of the yeah, whole show. Yeah, so. oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Not to sidebar too far, but I would much prefer <laughs> thirteen episodes of Colleen Wing, yeah. <laughs> the Colleen Wing story, where she just has like a nice little like housekeeper named uh, Danny. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, let's move to Dragonstone, which is actually the scene that opens it. Um, and uh, that, I, I, what did you take away from this immediate confrontation uh, between Daenerys and Varys? Like, Daenerys just comes at him. <laughs> yeah, and about time, too, because it's like, yeah. for seasons, season upon season now, I have been wondering how Varys 
is going to play this whole thing because, yeah, he was responsible for her being sold into the Dothraki. He was responsible for a lot of shit in her life. And it's, it was just kind of cool, like, out of nowhere for her to be like, okay, so let's finally let's, – let's talk about this for once. You know, she thanked him for bringing the Martells and, the, um, and whoever else to the table, but she's just like, dude, you – you're kind of a, a, a slimy guy. Like, I don't know if I should trust you. And it was more interesting that Tyrion was the one who was defending him, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just like, it, it was an odd sort of encounter that I'm glad happened. I, it, a lot of it just felt like stuff that was being telegraphed. Like, yeah, he's probably going to die at the end of the season via dragon fire. He's something's <laughs> going to happen to that guy. There's no way hmm. just like little finger. There's no way he's going to continue on. I think into next season. I mean, yeah. He's a merman. He's he's a merling. <laughs> if he was a merling, he would have he would have jumped in that water and helped save those people from <laughs> from Urana. We did not see. And you know what's really funny about that? When that attack was going on, I remember distinctly thinking, "Okay, if that dude's a merman or a merling, now is the time. Now is the time to see like pop out of the water and like you know swing some sword or something." No, nope, didn't happen. Like, Wouldn't okay. that have been great oh, if the ships are sailing off and Theon's floating there alone, looking at the hang? Yeah, and then Barris surfaces. <laughs> I mean, I've been looking for a reason for Barris and Theon to hang out because, you know, Barris has had a similar background yeah. um, mm-hmm. and removal of certain appendages. So it would have been nice to have them somehow get together. But uh, at this juncture, I just I don't see Varys spending much, much more time with the folks. Well, Emily, yeah. did you what did you think about that confrontation? Was uh, was Daenerys being too harsh on him? No, I mean, I think she was absolutely right in like questioning him. And I think it was a really cool scene for a lot of reasons. But um, especially like even in, you know, previous seasons when he is talking to the king and Cersei and all these people, they they treat him with this air of like that they're still sort of afraid of him. Like that he they know that he knows things about them and could use those things about them. And so they kind of treat him like with this like, um, not respect so much, but this like wariness. And so I think the fact that she was so in his face about everything was cool to see like that. She's not afraid of him and she's not, she, she, she's not afraid of what he could say about her or sell about her. You know, she doesn't give a shit. And I think too, it was, it, I mean, there, I, I can't catalog every scene I've ever seen him in, but this was definitely the first scene where I really saw him mad like that he lost his temper so many times he's so calm and cool and calculating and this was the first time he ever really like raised his voice and Mm -hmm. that was like obviously emotional about what he was saying and I that was to me meant that was one of the very first times he was straight with anyone like that he was telling the absolute truth to his core but Um, do you buy that he's doing all this for the people because it just that seemed to ring a little hollow to me. No, I, I, I think so. I think he is. And I think it's kind of, he's one of those characters like he, someone has to, you know, he's like the least, the person maybe that you would least expect to be that genuine. And I think it was just ex- exactly as he said is he's seen the literal very worst of mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And he knows what it's like to be poverty stricken and sold into slavery and mutilated and beaten and, and, you know, abused. And he doesn't want to have anyone else feel like that and happen, happen to them. And I think that's really common of people who, who come from backgrounds like that, you know, you, you want to fight so that nobody else has to go through what you went through. 
So I think he's absolutely genuine. I agree with that. And I think it sort of, it just speaks to how great uh, Kamala Hill is as an actor because his delivery for seven years has made us think that he is as slimy as the people Mm -hmm. he's serving. But I think over the years, we've absolutely heard him say, I'm doing all of this for the realm. And this was all him doing it all along. He had to get Daenerys out of Westeros because she was going to be killed by Robert Baratheon. So yeah, he sold her to uh, the Dothraki, but he had to make that deal. You know I mean? It's, I really didn't appreciate that. He just sort of blew that off of like, well, but you survived it and you know, learned all this stuff. Like that wasn't the point Daenerys. Like he saved your ass, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, He did it in a way that guaranteed your brother would die because Mm -hmm. that stupid cocky asshole was never going to (laughs) survive. Dothraki horde, you know? She name-checked him like two or three times this episode, too. It was funny. She's like, my yeah. brother did this, and he was an idiot, and blah, blah, blah. I uh, I will echo Emily's uh, kind of comment on him losing his temper. That was the first time I saw, like, Colin Hill, the actor, like, seeping through. Like, because usually his, he plays various very lyrically, very right. smooth. And this is the time I saw, like, some good, honest Irish anger, you know, like, coming out. <laughs> yes. like, dude, I was just like, whoa, this is a new, a new gear for that guy. That's what it was. I'm like, I'm just, I recognize it. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. That's why I sound like I'm mad, too. Okay, I got it. <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah. That's what he's like in all of fly fishing in the Yemen. <laughs> just, he's just on fire. He's so angry at Hugh McGregor. I love it. No, I'm I'm kidding. He's like a big doof in that. Um, So Melisandre shows up, uh, confusing me even more of why. Well, it confused me for a moment when I thought, well, why her and not the other red priestess that visited her in Marine? But but then they kind of you know justify it by saying like, oh, that I met the red priestesses in Marine and they did good jobs there. So um, Mm -hmm. we get a. I don't know. It wasn't really a huge info dump. Um, it wasn't like a, a Sam sized info dump, but I love, I just thought that whole conversation was so like economical and revealed so much very quickly. Like the first time we heard the words, it was the first time we heard the words Prince that was promised. Like that has never been mentioned on the show. Has it? I mean, they've said Oz or a high kind of in passing, but I don't think she's ever articulated those words. I believe Melisandre Not, has said those words before. Has she? Okay. Yeah, I think she has. I think, but it was like in the context of like, Azor High is like my deal, but you, you may know it as the Prince of Oh, Prince okay. Or, yeah, yeah. Because they're all the same, <laughs> basically. Well, I, I, uh, I believe Taylor, it was, I think you were the one who pointed out in the notes that um, uh, Meister Eamon had- Oh, no, that was me. Oh, you added that. Thank you, Emily. Spicer <laughs> Amon's uh, pointing out the thing about the prince noun. Um, and I just thought it was so cool that they did it in Valyrian. I, I, there, that was, I guess that's what I mean by the economical use of this. Like we kind of learn um, that Daenerys' uh, Valyrian is not as polished as Missandei's, you know, um, which is very cool. And Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, and then Missandei gets to correct her and say actually that noun has no gender. And I don't know, it was just a, it was a very cool scene to me. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. I just love that they wanted to reiterate once again, like, Missande is so smart and, right. like, a value to her. Um, and just a value to us all, really, of, like, that she's pointed this out. And even Melisandre, you, the look on her face was like, oh, I never really thought about it like that. Like, I never yeah, understood. 
she did seem mm-hmm. slightly humbled when she was like, eh, prophecies. Eh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> And exactly. I love that too. She like, she like called herself on her own bullshit. She's like, look, I don't really like put a lot of stock in prophecies nowadays. Okay. Like I, I messed up like a lot. I burned a yeah. child. Okay. Like I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So then, uh, you know, um, we know we're going to get Melisandre and Davos back at mm-hmm. Dragonstone because uh, Davos is traveling with John there next week. So presumably we're going to see this face-off between the two of uh, them. Melisandre well, no, remember, d- d- wait, aren't, isn't Davos, didn't he come around to Melisandre? Like, when, where did we leave them last season? Did he find out she killed Marine and then? Yes. Okay, so, all right. And he said he, and John, John kicked her out of Winterfell. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and allowed that if Davos saw her again, uh, he would kill oh, her. Oh, that'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. That'll be great. Mm. Yeah, Davos needs like happiness in his life. Like, <laughs> he needs some. He needs I don't some. know if you saw. Uh, someone <laughs> said something like that to uh, to uh, Joe Robinson, and and her reply was um, just a reminder that <laughs> he has a wife that he has never talked about. <laughs> oh, yeah, I always think about that in the books because in the books, like all the chapters from her, his perspective, he always like every couple of paragraphs he talks about like. Oh, I should just go back to my home and my life and like not do this anymore. But like on the show, we have not seen or heard of her ever. <laughs> yeah. And I it, sort of assume she had passed away or something. Cause like, no, you know, his she just like hangs him. out. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a busy guy. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, someone asked the question, I'm sorry that I'm going off our notes talk about are all the Dothraki gone from Essos, which, um, if Emily, if you did not ask that question, I want to put it to you because, uh, do you, I mean, what's your take on that? Do you have any information or do you? Oh, you know, um, no. Well, when I saw this in the notes, I was kind of curious. I was thinking about it myself. Um, I mean, there's from last season when they all go to the mother mountain or whatever. And, you know, Daenerys was like still kidnapped. So this whole thing, my, one of my favorite all time scenes ever of game of Thrones is where she burns those asshole dudes alive and then walks (laughs) out of the flames. And then she, and everyone's just like, okay, cool. We'll be your, you know, we'll, we'll join your Kalasar now. And I mean, Britain, but unless there were tribes or Kalasars that didn't show up that day or like bailed or like didn't, couldn't fit on the ships. I would think that yes, they have all left. Um, my now, but I have so many logistical questions now because yeah. one Dragonstone <laughs> is not that big. And yes. so like, where are they being housed? How are they being fed? Like all these so I think I don't know if they are all gone with her, but I think a vast horde of them traveled across the sea with her. And yeah. maybe some of them stayed like in um Mirin and Yunkai and to try to keep the peace there, to, you know, kind of keep a thing. I don't know if Dothraki can really keep the peace, but um yeah, I mean I think a lot of them, if not all of them, just kind of bailed and got on these ships with her and are gonna invade Westeros. <laughs> Yeah, and then as far as the the plan for after they take Westeros, I just I mean they are not a wintry sort of people. I mean oh. they, they barely oh. wear more than pants. Yeah, um, and it is going to yeah. Maybe they'll all just live in Dorne. Dorne's lovely. Like they'll all just oh, hang out there. Yeah, 
I do think that was part of Tyrion's plan for taking Casterly Rock with the Dothraki was send the most brutish among your army to what Cersei thinks of as like this civilized mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, sure. you know, highborn place mm-hmm. and really make a mess of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I do I, like, I, well, I was oh, going to say ahead. too, I liked going back to Tyrion's plan real quick. I, I appreciate the fact that he gets, you can't rule if everything's just burning in ashes. Like you've got to, yeah. you've got to be a plan post, you know, post takeover. Like what is it? Um, and, and I forget who it was, was it, it may have, may have been Tyrion or may have been Olena, but somebody mentioned Robert at one point, like, you know, even, even when Robert took over, things kind of settled down, you know, for a while after that, he had a way of, he had a way of kind of binding everybody together, um, Mm -hmm. you know, letting the country move on, if you will. So I don't know. I just, it's interesting. And it's interesting also that, um, you know, now that, now that Yara and Alaria are gone, that leaves only Olena left essentially Mm -hmm. as a as a primary, like, you know, of, as, as we were talking about, like, you know, which kingdoms or what, yeah, which kingdoms Circe has, which kingdoms Daenerys has, it's kind of, we're kind of evened out. Like the seven kingdoms are, are you know, down to what, five now and two are with Circe and two are with, two are with Daenerys. Well, mm-hmm. let me ask another logistical question. Do we know that the Dornish army was with Daenerys? Because I think they're still in Dorn. Yeah. I think they were going to get them. Right, that's what I thought. King's Landing. Ah, uh, yeah. okay. So I, I took that I as like see. they were already on the boats, and then when they took over the boats and burned the boats, that there went the Dornish army as well. No, nah, it was just that. No, nah. it was um, just Greyjoys. Yeah, that she because Tyrion said like you will go with the um, Martells. Dan- well, not I guess they're not really Martells, but go down with um, the Dornish to get the army, like put the army on your boats, Yara, and then sail back up to King's uh, Landing. Okay. Like she was their military escort, essentially, um, taking the Sand Snakes and their mom um, back down to Dorne to pick up the army and then gotcha. invade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I and I did, you know, at the beginning of the episode, because I was the one who left this note, like there's this one cool shot of like all the women around the table. And I was like, man, this is so cool. Oh, I know. I and think we, I tweeted about it because I was just like so and then it's so it sucks, obviously. Like the right. end of the episode, we were like <laughs> exactly. two of them are captured, like two of them are dead, and you know, it's like sort of bummer. But yeah, in that moment, it was so cool to see, you know, all these powerful women standing around the table together plotting the takeover of a of a kingdom seven kingdoms so cool yeah and then uh and that you said exactly what i was going to lead us to which is that there some of the wind gets sucked out of that by the end of the episode um but we do have that great scene between daenerys and olena um which was just you know just more of the like truth telling olena that we love <laughs> some no bullshit everyone's uh, grandma yeah yeah, I don't know. My my grandma did, didn't drop, uh, you know, cold truths like that. It was just that yeah. line, obviously, <laughs> that blew me away was that, you know, you're a dragon. Um, mm-hmm. Be a dragon. That was that was a killer. Um, and it was, it was great, great to to see her say, you know, there there's not going to be like peace doesn't last. You know, that that's a myth. Stop. Stop thinking that. It was great, though, that Daenerys, like, kind of, you know, instantly sort of took to her wisdom, like, oh, you're fun. I'm going to keep you around. Like, this is, yeah. I want you to hang back, Olena. I want to talk to you a little bit. Like, I, it, this just furthers my deep, deep desire to see Olena live long enough to have a confrontation with Lady Mormont. Like, that's all I want in this world. I don't care at this juncture. I don't care about anything else that happens 
I will be I won't be disappointed at all. All I want from the show is one scene where Olena um, Terrell and Lady Mormont have some kind of verbal back and forth. That's all I need. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I love I'm root- it. I'm rooting for her, for Elena to to make yeah. it to next season. You know, yeah. like I want and some I, badass stuff in the works for me her. Me too. And I think Danny has she's had so like basically no female influences in her life. Like her mom died. Yeah. She had to grow up with the brother and like whatever merchant dudes in um, Essos or wherever they were growing up before. Like she never really got to have any female influences in her life. And I think too that's. why she was so taken with her handmaiden, her Dothraki handmaidens of like, oh my God, this is the first time I get to be around like other women. And that she was sort of tricked by the witch lady um, originally that she wanted to believe her. Like she wanted to believe this older, seemingly kindly woman was going to take care of her. Um, So, but I just, Elena is like one of my favorite characters. She's just so cool. And yeah, I really, her, I feel like her and, um, Leanna Stark should have a staring contest first and then have a war of words. <laughs> <laughs> how, uh, Emily, I'll, I'll throw this one to you. How, how did the Grey Worm Missing Day scene sit with you? I really liked it. Okay. Um, I, so for me, I just, there's so few uh, sex scenes in Game of Thrones that are entirely consensual. Um, and that even the consensual sex scenes for the most part are still mostly about male pleasure. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I'm like blushing, like behind my mic, um, that, (laughs) so that the fact that this scene was, you know, just logistically pretty much all about female pleasure was very refreshing to see, but that also, I felt that it was very intimate in that she wasn't afraid to see him, like see all of him. Like it's probably not a pretty sight. Like I don't, I didn't want to Google it. So were you, were you in the same boat though? Like when that happened, I was, I was literally saying to the TV, please don't show it. Please don't show it. Please don't show it. Cause like yeah. it, was, it was panning down. I'm like, Oh God, don't show it. Don't. And then they didn't. They got like Peter's like whispering like, show it. Show it. I'm like, what? <laughs> no, no, want? I don't need to I was like, that's something you probably can't unsee. Not that it's like dirty or wrong or anything, but it was just like, that's, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of taking it. I'm kind of glad they didn't, but yeah, I I just feel like it was so, um, it was probably one of the most just like emotionally gratifying scenes for me, because obviously he's been in love with her all this time and she has had feelings for him. And that finally they came together in this very incredibly soft and intimate um, seen together was really lovely and I'm I hope that n- neither of them die because I kind of hope you know that they they find their way back to each other but you know it reminded me though a lot of it reminded me a lot of the Rob Stark uh what's her face uh, his wife um, Talitha Talitha it reminded me a lot of that the first time they sort of they sort of did it it's same lighting same sort of pacing um, you know, just sort of that moment of, you know, it was a pure little moment between the two of them. And, and Emily's so right. Like there's very few consensual sex scenes yeah. in the show. That was, yeah, I think the, that would have been the only other brain. one. You <laughs> well, know, I, I think it was John Egreet scene. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. True. Also true. focused on female pleasure. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> no, I appreciate your uh, perspective on that. That's good to hear because I did feel like in that just initial moment where she so quick, quickly 
drops her robe, I was like, oh no, it's sort of old school Game of Thrones where it's, yeah. we're just going to get female nudity for the sake of it. But then, well, you know, then it sort of takes a turn. Before too. Like this isn't the first time we see her naked or he yeah. sees her naked. Well, so, before, yeah. but isn't it when she's bathing and it's sort of a, yeah. you know, a, 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 uh, yeah. I mean, it's an intimate moment yeah. again, but it's also sort of a private moment that was not, he wasn't necessarily meant to see her. Anyway, true. I'm true. sorry. I'll roll on from uh, <laughs> from uh, talking about sex scenes, um, and we'll go to uh, it will cool off in the north at Winterfell, <laughs> where uh, <laughs> um, first we get. Uh, I can't even remember the order of all of these scenes because it was just a bunch of great, uh, like two person dialogues, and then this big scene where John is in front of the whole group. But um, we do get to see Sansa, or John even asks Sansa to for her judgment of, of Tyrion, which I thought was great. Um, I don't know. Is, is Sansa, I, I, <laughs> I have my own answer to this. Is she becoming more of the, you know, the trusted advisor of John? What do you think? Well, it's interesting that he would ask her that. Cause I feel like at this juncture, he's almost spent more time with Tyrion than she has. Like if you take all their time together at the wall, other little backs and forth, it, it seems like when Sansa was quote unquote married to him, that just consisted of, Hey, it'll be okay. Don't worry. Like I won't touch you. Like that, there just wasn't that much there, there. Maybe they just didn't show us, you know, in the context of the show. I just, yeah. it was interesting that he, you know, that he was like, Hey, I, I'm not, you, you know, more than I do. I'm like, no, you actually, you know more than she does. Yeah, I would think Sansa. Still well, there was where they were married. Like, yeah, like very yeah, were, early, like season one. There's where or season one or two, I don't remember. Um, when Joffrey, it's like this whole thing where Marin Trant beats Sansa, like in front of everyone, and like rips oh, her God. blouse and stuff. Yeah. it's it's Tyrion, I think, who steps in. It is. Oh, it slaps right. Joffrey, and is like, "How yeah. dare you treat your betrothed like this?" You know, like that. He really steps up to shield Sansa from him. And he, I think he like visits Sansa a few times, like to make sure she's okay. And like yeah. tries to shield her from Cersei and stuff. So I, I, I get why John would ask her that, that she would know him a little bit better. Um, but that just, I mean, John had conversations with Tyrion on the road and at the wall, but Sansa has been around him for all yeah. these seasons. Like even before they were married, that she got to see what kind of man he really was of standing up to Cersei and saying these all these things to Joffrey. And, you know, so I, I'm glad that John trusted her opinion of him. I'll tell you yeah. just a just a call back to um the uh, Tyr Tyrion um Melisandra Daenerys scene where Tyrion says he when Melisandre mentions Jon Snow, Tyrion says, I like Jon Snow. Mm -hmm. um, and I was, I, I don't know why, it cheered me so much to hear someone on Game of Thrones say they like another person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's Thrones. cute. Like, I never hear that. And, yeah. but it's true. Like, I think, uh, I think that's a, that's an interesting little triangle there. Of Like, I think Sansa now likes Tyrion, you know, or at least like respects him and, Considering where she started, that's a huge thing. And John likes Tyrion, and Tyrion likes John. It's a nice little, um, you know, Targaryen Targaryen uh, Stark <laughs> relationship mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry, Taylor. Were you about to say something? Oh no, no, I was, <laughs> I, I was but I'll wait. But you know, like let's let's just take it the full way through. At this juncture on the show, because that you know, 
he gets the letter. It's and it's funny too. I, I like the fact that time is finally being compressed. You know, in seasons past, if a raven was to be sent, we'd wait two or three episodes and then we'd see like, oh, the ravens come. Now it's like Daenerys is like, yeah, send a raven. And like the very next scene, hey, a ravens come for you, John. <laughs> oh, great. Like it's just you know, it's we're kind of <laughs> oh, we're, we're sort of suspending the the disbelief a little bit. But he's reading that off to those those folks, and then it's it, it's another sort of example of the Stark children kind of council it's not that john is king so much as sort of like you know head of this little council of he and sansa and then hopefully soon aria um and maybe even bran uh, not bran uh, yeah bran yeah. at some point um are gonna show up but like he's you know they're having they're still doing you know she's still questioning him in the, in the open council um, you know, there's back and forth you're actually if you were a westerosi lord I, i'm i'm curious what you would think of that is that something that inspires confidence you're like oh yeah the kid you know those kids are ned's son, you know, children they know best is it weird that she's questioning him openly again you know it's 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 interesting to consider and then she's the only one that has any kind of wisdom in the show we know you know when she tells john she's like hey the last time a Targaryen asked a Stark to come to come meet up, that he was burned alive. That was our grandpa. Like, don't do this. And she doesn't know what we know about Daenerys. So, in terms of the show's, you know, in you know, ingrained knowledge, she's actually the smartest one right now. Like, I I don't know if I would disagree with her based on just what we know. So it's I interesting actually, that John rolled the dice a little bit. I actually thought you were going to say she doesn't know what we know, which is that he's a Targaryen. Which is like the ultimate oh, irony. Yeah. There. True. 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 Yeah. I know. There's like one line where where um Royce yells, like, you can't trust your car Targaryen. I giggled my ass off. I'm like, okay, yeah. okay. Like, good. Every every time too, I think I tweeted, I was like, every does everyone else giggle like when he says like my dad and like my sisters, like my brothers? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> if only you knew, Jon Snow. <laughs> How yeah. do you think that, but on that note, how do you think that information is going to be revealed to him? Because it's got to come soon. Great question. I yeah. think Littlefinger has the information. Mm, why do you say mm. that? Um, he's just the most likely to to have put it together. Um, and that plot that he stitched together, the murder of John Aaron, is super effing intricate. And the way that mm. he left all the clues for Ned to find with like the history of the the kings of Westeros and their children and things like that. I just think he's he's done the research in that lineage, and he knows. Um, Why do you think yeah. he's keeping it close to the vest right now? Like he had a moment to basically install Sansa early on, and he's kind of let this linger. Another good question. I think he's. I mean, I think he's focused on on Sansa and like securing the North for himself, and he'll play that card when he needs to to really alienate John and mm. freeze him out. Yeah, you know, and I think he was like. I think he waited all this time too, and kind of like entrapped Ned in that original way like because he was so in love with Catelyn that yeah. finding out and like you know figuring it out like look Ned didn't cheat on you like that that little grain oh, of right. knowledge kept Catelyn and Ned from ever really you know kept Catelyn from ever really forgiving Ned right so if, so if Littlefinger was going to reveal that he would lose that leverage mm. against her, you know like that someday maybe she would come to her senses and come back to him you know like so i it makes sense to me like that maybe he would know maybe varus would know um maybe that melisandre is now here with both of them together maybe she sees it in the flames maybe the dragons smell it on him like i don't really i'm i'm really like this at this point i am so excited to see how they figure it out um and kind of what that means for the both of them because i think that's kind of the last sort of like real yeah. big 
feel of stuff. Well, and this is a, that's like this is a great point to discuss because I, I, it seems like at this point Sansa has to hear it from Littlefinger. Yeah, yeah. And so that means she's probably gonna have to hear it before John even discovers it himself because they've got to like drive that wedge there. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'm I'm also judging from that um, a second trailer we saw before the season where we see him fighting with the Brotherhood without banners that. You know, he he does get locked out, maybe. Uh, maybe he's, you know, by the time that happens in the season, he's already been ejected as the king of the north. So mm, maybe. I mean, I'm Good. still hoping that the two of them get together <laughs> and be the king and queen of the north. Shut up. Shut up, John. <laughs> yeah, you're alone in the world, dude. <laughs> I mean, did what did you feel when when John finally turns to her in that meeting of the Northmen and, and says you're in charge, Sansa? Was that yes? A, finally, okay. fuck. Yeah. Um, he also <laughs> says he also says a line too, and I I don't remember the exact words because the, probably the exact words matter more. But he he says like you're the only Stark left in Winterfell. Yes. And I'm like yes, she is. Like except and now we're Arya's gonna come, but um, Sansa is the oldest Stark, the oldest yeah. trueborn Stark kid. So I'm just really you know. I, I'm just really excited for Sansa and I like, I don't want them to be at odds together. Like I know like, you know, even you guys like in the notes comment, like stop embarrassing yourself. Sansa, like stop arguing with him. But I think it's, it's just like, she really cares for him, but mostly she cares to keep people around her safe. And so I think she's going to fight the hardest to mm-hmm. make sure that Winterfell is safe and that the North is safe and especially now that Arya's coming back, like that her family, the rest of them remain safe and, and wait out this, this long winter. You know, of all the, of all the Stark kids to, uh, that are left or that have, you know, have lived at all. She's the only one that truly seems to embody both Ned and Catelyn. Like mm-hmm. it's weird. It's uh, Sophie Turner has kind of done this thing this season where her acting, like she's, she's so poised and so confident and so not the little girl that she portrayed season after season after season she like i look at her and and maybe it's the way you know they're doing her costume now but she really has a a a ned like sort of Mm. resolve but with a catlin like demeanor it just it Mm. really strikes me every time she's on screen i thought it was a little funny that when he mentions that you know you're she's the queen now she kind of had a look of surprise i was like really is it that surprising that he would do that like (laughs) are you really that shocked like it you know just that, that was a little bit odd but otherwise i was glad i was glad that happened yeah, she's like finally getting her chance. You know, she's and I, it bothers me when people say like, "Oh, I hate Sansa. I don't like Sansa." It's like you're, you know, you're obviously entitled to your opinion. That's fine, but like she, out of most and really most of the characters, has had such a big arc of yeah, being a spoiled whiny girl who just wanted to go to King's Landing and be pretty and marry a king or a prince or whatever to this badass woman woman who has endured so much. And is finally getting a chance, you know, people are done underestimating her and abusing her and using her like she's finally getting her opportunity to be the person that that she is now that she's grown into be. This is jumping ahead a little bit, but do you think Arya is going to be her assassin once uh, Arya makes Man. it to Winterfell? I, you know, I think so. I mean, we talked about this on the fan on fan theories about Peter Baelish's 
dagger, which uh, also, I don't know if you guys talked about it in the first episode, but when Sam is flipping through the book and finds Dragonstone, the dagger that he lingers on on the page, that's Peter Baelish's dagger. It's a Valerian steel dagger that he's had all these years. And the fact that Arya in some of these promo shots is just even, like now it makes even more waves of like, is he dead? But also she could fight White Walkers with that thing now. Very exciting. So I I think, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be Arya. I think all signs point to yes, that Arya is going to take care of some business. Um, but I, I have this weird fascination with Peter Baelish, so mm. <laughs> don't. Don't at me. I was talking to, to one of my friends last night on Twitter after the episode about, she was just like, does he really mean to do all these things? And like, everyone's like, yeah, he's terrible. And she's like, but does he really? Because just, you know, the thirst is sort of real of like this, he's this really cunning Irishman who, you know, I don't know. I don't want him to die because he's so cool. Sorry. Yeah, but I, I mentioned it last week too. His 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 arc is kind of over. Like I don't know yeah. where he goes from here. Like he has no other. He, he Cersei's not an ally anymore. Daenerys isn't an ally to him anymore. Yeah, or never was rather. He just there's only he seems to put all his cards in the Sansa in the Sansa bucket, and I just I can easily see. And she knows what he wants. So it's oh, just a, yeah. a matter of time before she's like Arya, kill and you know, Arya just. <laughs> Yeah, that's the end of it. Yeah. I'm one other thing about Winterfell before we move on. There's still no mention of Bran. Like, I could have swore this is the week where like John gets his raven from the wall. Like, hey, your brother's alive. He's here, and like just nothing. What Those a weird ravens get to him instantly. You know, mm-hmm. and the wall but is just like fuck that guy. What's the wall waiting for? Like, you think that you think that the Night's Watch would be like, holy shit? Like, we gotta we gotta let John know. Like, what? Why yeah. are they holding that back? It's such a weird thing. Which um, honestly, probably because they're dealing with a horde of White Walkers that brands <laughs> led right to their doorstep. They're all dead at this point. <laughs> That'll be the last episode. They John leads the par- party to back to Castle Black, and everyone's dead, including his yeah. brother. And it's like, yeah. there's just a note. And then night, the Night King's the just like on the top of the wall, like, "Come at me, bro." <laughs> oh man, I. It, yeah, I, it's a it's a weird editing choice. Like, why even have the brand seen last week? Because last week's episode was just such a stacking of like all these scenes, giving like like Taylor and I were saying, just sort of moving the chess pieces like a little bit farther on the board, and they just didn't need to move that chess piece yet. He could have shown up, you know, in episode four. It would have been fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We we should do a speed round uh, for these okay. last few scenes. Yeah. Um. So there's a there's a scene with uh uh several scenes in King's Landing that were at least conversations we should touch on. Um, but let's jump to that Jamie and Randall Tarley one, because every time I see Randall Tarley, I don't know who it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. Despite the last week on Game of Thrones teaser, I still didn't recognize him. But um, I, how'd you feel he, he about reminds that? Me of, he reminds me of Charles Widmore from Lost. I'm like, what, why? Who is yeah. this guy? Oh, Where He's yeah. just like mean and gravelly, like for the sake of being like mean and gravelly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's another character that's some gotten elevated all of a sudden, or at least Jamie is trying to elevate him. Uh, but you know, did you have any good, bad feelings about that, Emily? Um, I mean, he he shows up a, a bit more in the books. Like, I think Arya runs into him like one time, and um, Brianna Tarth runs into him a little bit. And obviously, he's Sam's you know mean dad. Um, I think his really his only 
stake in this game is that he is the only one left of this era of Robert Baratheon who beat Robert Baratheon. Like he beat Robert right. Baratheon in his own game in, in single combat. So I think he's just sort of this last, like, um, uh, Selmy is dead. The, the mountain is a zombie. Like, you know, all these legendary warriors are gone. And I think Randall Charlie is kind of the only one left which is pretty cool. Like in the war to come, obviously that's a really good thing to have on your side. But um, I think he's kind of too proud. He says it to, to Jamie too, too loyal that he, he won't support them. I think wherever Elena goes, he will go on oh. this sense of honor. You, you, you believe that, that he will keep his word. Yeah. And he, he's just going to be like this hard ass bastard. That's actually really loyal to. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. it was really strange when whatever the first question was that Jamie asked, he did not answer right away. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it was the general question or the loyalty question, but um, not that it was weird. I mean, it was just like, I think that was a big sign of, you know, yeah. if this guy really wanted to politic his way up to general of the Lannister army, he would have done so. But yeah. Yeah. He, he's, yeah he's like the, one of those dudes that doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort of the bizarro Ned in that way. Of yeah. like, he's mm-hmm. True to his word. He's just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, again, one of you asked in the notes. Um, that was me. You know, after Casterly Rock falls, will Tyrion convince Daenerys? Will Tyrion convince Daenerys to let Jaime be the head of House Lannister? So I think it's interesting that uh, that you think that that would be on the table. I do only because Tyrion has great love for his brother, no love for his sister, and I don't see Tyrion as being the Lord of Castle. I, I just don't see him right. wanting that. If he ends up becoming the hand of the queen, what, he can't, he, a, he can't do that. Um, and I just don't, I, are there any other Lannisters left that are, you know, like Tywin's brother. I forget that dude's name. Isn't he gone now? Kevin. Um, yeah. Kevin. <laughs> Is it, I love it. Your Follow favorite, me. your favorite. <laughs> of all the name. wonderful, Kevin. amazing, fantastical <laughs> fantasy names that George yeah. R. Martin came up with. And he's like, and this one, <laughs> Fuck it, he's called Kevin. I don't know. It's like it's just so amazing. But like it's with just, an A instead of an I, but no, still, I know, I know, but Rob it's still just keys. it's still yeah. just it's still bizarre. Um, but like I just I have this I, I really wonder, like Jamie's I don't see Jamie dying at the same time as Cersei. He's gonna have some kind of redemption arc, I would hope. So like and and Tyrion, I just I wanna see a moment between Tyrion and Jamie after they've after they've won, after Tyrion and Daenerys have won, what does Tyrion do as like, you know, in the position of power? You know, does Cersei obviously is not going to make it. I just don't see that happening. But Jamie, I think could, and, and, and going back to the plan, the whole reason I wrote that question, Tyrion knows that if he just, you know, slices Jamie's head off, it, it, it's going to be really hard to keep Casterly Rock kind of in check. Like you know, they're yeah. not going to really support Tyrion as like the, you know, as the Lord of Casterly Rocks, but keeping Jamie in place might stabilize that, you know, because Tyrion's thinking about those things. So I, it's just worth, worth pondering as we move towards the end game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just don't see Jamie living if Cersei's dead. Like it's not right. like that. I just, I like think, I don't think he will want to live if she's gone. But my only thing about this is you can tell in their recent interactions in the last two episodes, he's really questioning her a lot and really questioning why she's doing this and questioning her sanity. And like, you know, maybe by the end of this, he's kind of come, you know, that she's not the woman he loved, you know, he's, she's not the sister, he sister lover or whatever that he once knew. And that, yeah, maybe he would, 
for the good of things, you know, for the love of his brother, for the love of his house, allow himself to, to, to be swayed in that way. He no. was a king killer once upon a time. He could be again. Yeah. No. Kingslayer. No. That is Kingslayer. No. Yeah. Emily, uh, not not to uh, divert us <laughs> during the lightning round, which I'm not doing a good job of shepherding. But um, okay, so it, refresh my memory. In the books, I believe it is like a huge detail that when when Cersei is captured by the um, uh, the faith militant, oh um, yeah, she's in prison, sparrows or whatever. That there's a big deal about you know because. Uh, her crime is, um, I guess, infidelity, but also it's kind of incestuous because it's with her, with another Lannister. Cousin. Uh, yeah, her cousin. And isn't there something about how J- Jamie, if he were to discover that, or maybe he does discover that, and he's really horrified again that she would sort of cheat on him? I, I don't know if he's discovered this in the show. I guess that's where my question is. Yeah, does I he think know? he I think he does actually when he comes back and she talks about Lance Lannister, I think he is kind of pissed. Like, dude, you couldn't wait for me for three months or whatever. Like, right. what are you doing? Like, why would you do this? Like he's our uncle's because he, he was very young. It was like in yeah. the book. He's Kevin's quite kid. Young. He's Kevin's kid. Um, I have an uncle Kevin too. So it's really funny. Um, I think he does know. And so, but I think again, yeah, it's sort of like, you know, she's like, Oh, I just did it for whatever. You know, I missed you, blah, blah. But, um, the Jamie's kind of like, I've never, ever, ever been with anyone else, but you. Right. Ever. Right. And so that it was like a, a really, a, a betrayal of, for him. Exactly. She would, you know, not just I, that he got the thing, you know, she got married, whatever she had to, but then she chose to engage with Lancel Lannister. And that was like the betrayal for him. Yeah. And it's such a, um, you know, on top of everything else, like her acting mad now, it's very, I don't know. He's got a lot of reason not to be on her side. It would be really great if he just uh, defected. Um, So then we get, uh, we we get Cersei's uh, own Q, uh, uh, Kyburn, who, that, (laughs) Taylor's pun. I like it. Uh, tells it's like he has this big plan. There's this thing of like when when they're in the, uh, the sort of council meeting, or at least when she's talking to her bannerman about um, the threats to the the realm. And Kyburn is the one who says like, "Oh, we're working on something to to get we the dragons." Have a solution, for right? That. <laughs> um, I, I expected something uh, magical, and instead mm-hmm. we get a huge crossbow. Yeah. Like uh, it's not anything revolutionary in, in the real world. It's called a scorpion. I learned. And oh, not real, a ballista. No, uh, it is also called a ballista, but okay. it originally it also called a scorpion. And then there was one, the Romans called it some really like wiggle fish or something. It was super weird. <laughs> I don't know. It was something like toggle fish. And I was like, cool. Okay. That's weird, but cool. <laughs> Here's my question though. Why is this suddenly like a technological breakthrough? Why in, in all the years that they've had dragons in the past, why, and just regular right. siege weapons. Why is this like suddenly like <laughs> Quiburn's like iPod, you know, iPhone. It's like, look at it. Look at what we've done. I'm just like, I was so shocked. I was shocked by that and more shocked that it wasn't some kind of crazy, like he didn't have some kind of zombie dragon in the, in the layer or something. Like or, how did they not have, like 20 of them already on the turrets yeah, of King's yeah, Landing. Yeah, exactly. Like as soon as, as soon as you figure out like how to shoot a bolt that big through the skull <laughs> of a dragon, 
put that in production, man. He says something yeah. like all of our blacksmiths have been working day and night on this. And it's like 20 feet long. Like, dude. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of lame. It's kinda like, and I would have much rather, and I know they haven't talked about it in the show yet and they probably won't hopefully just because it's too much too late. But I was kind of hoping the whole like horn of the dragon that Euron has in the right. books is something oh, that Quiberon yeah. got his hands on. He's like, you know, we've we found this artifact and it is said to control the like something more sinister than like, hey, here's this, this regular siege weapon. I, I don't know. Just- Honestly, now that you say that, I'm thankful that it's just a giant crossbow because if yeah. if Euron returned and was like, I brought you this gift, but also <laughs> this magical horn that we've yeah. never talked about before. That's what I thought he was gonna go do. Yeah, like, that's what I thought he <laughs> meant. And now it's just like, no, I'm just gonna kidnap some women, BRB. Like, oh, okay, great, cool. Great. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you before we go to Old Town that um, you know, I gave my a, a seat uh, a, a seat up to Kybern at a bar at Comic Con on Shut Saturday, up. and it was it was very really what? yeah. I mean, not the actor, but the nice? cosplayer. Um, oh, he was, like, oh he was, okay. Awesome. He was extremely like, gracious. What? Oh, okay, good. He didn't <laughs> curse you or like try to turn you into a zombie afterwards. No, he was like really thankful that we flagged him down. Like, hey, just take our seats. Don't, you know, oh, don't keep nice. wandering the bar, reanimating <laughs> giant dead people. <laughs> Please, um, for the love of God. Yeah, knock it off dick yeah. uh so <laughs> i'm glad that we saved old town for second to last because that was too gross to spend I, much time I, on. I couldn't look i i had to look away as soon as i realized what he was gonna do i was like no nope, good and fuck those I don't people throw up. for cutting to that damn pot pie right after uh, <laughs> peter said peter that was, was like that's the best cutaway ever and i was like no it's not shut up it's well gross. there was last was... week with the poop and the soup <laughs> The yeah. poop soup. <laughs> and this week with with this problem, so like, gross. oh so yeah, it's awful. Gross. It was horrible. Here, here's a real quick aside though, and this is something I read in the comments section. The only reason that that some people are thinking Jorah is still around because at this point, what does he have to contribute, other than the fact that maybe it's him who's the prince that is promised? And, <laughs> and, and, I, and I, now, bear with me. Bear with me. There was somebody went through a lot of hoop jumping to make this sort of logical case that of all the sort of check marks for the prince that was promised, all the you know the Azora High checklist. If you could make a case that Bora has a sort of loose loose semblance of a check mark on each of those, and otherwise, why is he still here? Like, what's the point of him in the show other than to be like a last minute prince that was promised? I don't buy it. I'm just throwing it out there as a maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why he's still here. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, one it's more such a shame because there's there's characters again. I said this last week. There's characters like the Sand Snakes that if they would develop would be really yeah. interesting. Even Euron would be interesting if they developed any backstory with him. But yeah. instead, these people are just sort of robots that are either dying or killing off other people. <laughs> And then there's these characters like Jorah that are just persisting like forever. Yeah. Like, dude, I, we don't care. Yeah. I don't need to see him do mean. some like final like soliloquy to Danny about his unrequentant love for her as he's dying. For, like, <sighs> I don't need that. We've had that four <laughs> times now. Like, what else is yeah. he there for? Um, one other thing I mentioned in the notes that I want to throw out there real quick. I love, and there, there has been this other sort of theory that Sam is kind of the 
the um, Mary Sue for George R. R. Martin, like the character <laughs> stand-in for George R. R. Martin, um, both <laughs> physically, but also just sort of how he's kind of, you know, the maester exposition. And I don't think anything, that was proven to me beyond all doubt when uh, Maester Broadbent was talking about like his book yeah, and he's like, you know, I'm calling it the uh, his the history of Robert's war with the others looking on. Like he just had this long, <laughs> elaborate title. And Sam's like, oh, I was thinking it'd be something more poetic. And I was so thinking he'd be like, you know, like uh, I don't know, a song of ice and fire, maybe. Like, I'm just I'm convinced that this show is going to end with Sam pulling a, a Frodo or Bilbo Baggins and like writing yeah, in his to like, no, write all this down. Yeah. 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 And it's going to be either called the game of Thrones or so I, I mark my words. This is coming. Yeah. I will say too, though, whatever the, that will be that. <laughs> whatever the Archmaster's name is. I don't remember his, I just know Archmaster, but the fact that he um, was from Harry Potter, he was for a slughorn in Harry Potter and that Sam has to ask him about getting into the restricted section just oh delights me to no end like i i was like i was like sitting going oh the restricted section Um, oh i didn't even think about that yeah my favorite part and i wonder if they did it on purpose i don't think they did but i kind of hope that they did because i hope they did why would you want to know about the restricted section (laughs) let's wrap up with the with aria scenes uh first of all she uh is reunited with hot pie whom i really again another character (laughs) that could just be on a boat for all we care um uh, you know with gendry like those two could just be off swimming together rescuing theon for all we know yes Uh, yes but no because we left him we left him in the hotel like what else is he going to do but stay in that in that little inn and and get better at doing the inn like it just he's that's the first time totally appropriate for him to come back yeah exactly it's the first time made sense like that you know don't you think she went back there because she knew he would be there that's kind I of think what so. I was wondering. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And it's just kind of nice to like see someone be normal and like happy. Yeah. Again. You know? yeah. Like it's kind of nice. And like his food looked friggin' delicious. Like the bread she was eating. I was like, please put that in my face. Yeah. Oh my God. Also, her yeah. line with him of she was like, Oh, you gotta brown the butter before you put the pies in. And she goes, I didn't do that. He goes, Have you been making pies? She's one or two. I laughed so hard. Over she was just so casual about like, yeah, I killed some people, chopped them up, made them the pies, fed them to someone, then killed him. Just so casual about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it was also their conversation was another economical sort of info dump where she learns mm-hmm. about Winterfell, you know, from this really casual conversation, which I, I really liked. Yeah. So then there's another scene. Where she is uh, sitting alone in the woods and her horse gets a little twitchy and all these wolves show up and we get to meet <laughs> this giant <laughs> effing direwolf, uh, Arya's direwolf, Nymeria. Um, the best. And I was almost shouting, just warg, <laughs> warg into her. <laughs> No, no, no. no. I, it was more likely that Bran had worked into uh, Nymeria, but I'm hoping that's also not the case. This needs to be a, just a pure moment. I don't. I didn't yeah, watch the after show true. sort of summary, but um, my takeaway was that it was just a great moment to sort of ju- to just kind of contextualize Arya's journey. You know, she's not the girl that sh- that left Winterfell with her wolf. She's a different person now. Nymeria yeah. is a different, you know, different wolf. I think there's still a high chance that they're going to reunite to kill some some people or mow down some White Walkers at some point. But I just I liked that you know when she says it's not you, I just I or that's not you. It was almost like she was saying that about herself too. 
Yeah. Well, it's actually a direct callback um, from season one when Ned is is telling Arya they're going to King's Landing and he's like explaining to her like, look, why don't you want to go? Like you can wear beautiful dresses and meet a, meet a handsome Lord and get married and be the lady of the castle. And then she's like all pouty. And, he, and then he just kind of like sits back and shuts this little book that he was reading to her. And he just goes, you're right. That's not you. You know, like you, mm. you're not that you're, you're not ever going to have that life. And a, mm-hmm. someone, I think it was Joanna actually in Joanna's um, Vanity Fair article that she points out that, that Arya is realizing like that, unlike maybe summer or ghost like nymira is wild now and she doesn't want to be a companion to a human like she's got her own thing and her own pack also did you notice that her pack was all gray wolves and one black wolf i did not yeah good call much like the opposite of their litter of these white you know these these gray whatever wolves and then the one pure white one of ghosts so i thought that was really cool too but yeah i i mean and i cried because it was such a you know such a a good start to her homecoming of like all these pieces are finally coming back together for aria like these things that she has lost are finally coming back to her and yeah the, the fact that she was mature enough and strong enough to realize like no i'm gonna let you go now i'm gonna let you go yourself because i let you go you know, not your yourself the first time, like that, mm. that she didn't want to go the first time. Yeah, that was well said. And all Thanks. of that is, <laughs> is very good. And there's a, in the after show, um, the showrunners make a point of saying, you know, this moment wasn't really going to, it wasn't really going to land unless the, the actor, you know, pulled it off. And when I, you know, both times that I watched it, there's just Maisie Williams, like, I just you know when she has that encounter with Nymeria, it's like oh my god it's just perfect yeah, yeah. That, that girl knows what she's doing that uh, girl good yeah and it, <laughs> yeah. uh so preview of next week um i don't remember all the scenes because it, they're just like a mashup of crap that i it, it, like it's a blur that happens when i watch the preview so fill in anything <laughs> i leave out but we see cersei announcing that she has drawn first blood in the war and we see euron sort of triumphantly returning to king's landing um although i don't understand who in king's landing gives a shit like yeah. like people wise like sure the politicians and soldiers care but like you know um and then we see john uh entering the throne room with daenerys on the throne at uh dragonstone so anything i missed i mean we can uh, hypothesize from there if we want to speculate i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) that's basically it i just yeah i'm I'm a little this will be episode three of what of six or seven i forget how many they're doing seven i want to say it's seven i'm man they're still moving a little too slow for my taste um you know and i'm 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 pretty much convinced now that the last last episode is going to be the wall falling or like you know the white walk the true white walker attack will will be in play but it's just like I the fact that Euron's being celebrated like a like Justin Bieber as he you know runs through the town like I just don't <laughs> well, I just don't shit. understand I, I remember this day will be Euron Greyjoy day and he has a key to the city <laughs> yeah yeah. And- <laughs> yeah what if next week is just the Euron just Euron day it's just an oh, hour Christ. celebration of like all the people writing songs about him and no I can't believe I didn't bring this up earlier because I tweeted about it on the uh, find us there account so some eagle-eyed conspiracy theorists 
have put this together in see in episode one we saw the hound saying that he was watching the army of the dead march mm -hmm. around the castle and in this week's map taylor the uh water on the sides of the wall was frozen over yeah Whoa. yeah i saw that too so the dead can just walk around east watch interesting yeah interesting yeah. Oh man. Oh I'm shit. To that. That's my that's my moment of uh, I'm that will give me hope if we can get to that. If we can get to the White Walkers, you know, being routed. My hope is that they try that, they're routed, and they have to bring the wall down. That'd be great. <laughs> I want to see that goddamn we wall. Have that down. Horn. Was, we want the horn. I yeah. want to see the wall fall Jeez. down, and I want to see a broken wall in the in the oh opening credits for next season. That's what I. It's it, oh, it would make so much sense. <laughs> Emily, where can want. people find you if they want to talk to you about uh, literature and Game of Thrones? Um, you can yell at me, as Todd likes to say. You can you can yell at me on Twitter and Instagram at that Emily Kelly. You can also find me also um, here on the Their Network and the Fan, uh, Fan Theories podcast. This month's podcast uh, comes out next week, next Monday, um, and it's all about Harry Potter, my favorite, my favoriteest of fandoms. So I will cry a lot. It will probably be very lengthy, and um, but it's gonna be really great. So join us for that. Um, and you can find that on iTunes and SoundCloud and Google Play and Stitcher and on our website. Find us there. Awesome. Uh, Emily just plugged everything I was going to pitch to Taylor to plug. Taylor, <laughs> you got anything else? Find us at no, findusthere.org. That's like I the, am findusthere.org. And I'm also anxious for this Harry Potter fan theory. So I'll be tuning in. Yeah. It's going to be great. That'll be incredible. Uh, seven <laughs> blessings to you both. And Thank Azora, you. hi to you, Todd. Azora, hi to you all.